And right now, Kevin Harvick looking to sweep the weekend. Denny Hamlin's going to have some momentum on the high side. Will it be enough as they come at it for the final time? Kevin Harvick is going to sweep Michigan. He wins again. Jimmy, great job, guys. Awesome job. Two days in a row. Welcome back to another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And we're taking the green flag here for another episode. We've got a ton of stuff to talk about. This episode focused on the Daytona road course. Who would have ever thought that was going to be something we'd be talking about this season on the podcast? But here we are. But before we dive into that, we got to recap Michigan because... It was a doubleheader weekend. You heard it. Harvick on the intro, winning both races. I need to vent a little bit. need to talk about what happened. Then we had a lot of NASCAR news just coming out of the woodwork since the last time we had an episode. So I want to break that down about how that affects us as the gamblers. Just, you know, some thoughts and, you know, potential bets down the line that we should be able to make. So a lot of news just overall in the sport. Silly season is upon us. I mean, just that's all we have to say about that. But we'll get to the road course. First ever time we've been here. So we've got a strategy that I've been cooking up and I'm going to break that down for you. And we're going to use that stat to try to help us in selecting who we like, just like every other week, who we like on the money line, who we like top 10, who we like in the head to head section. So we will get into that in full detail in just a little bit. So hang on to your butts because this is going to be a very interesting episode, and we'll see if we can make it to the end. So let's start, though, like we said, recapping Michigan, because Kevin Harvick just made us pay. I mean, I, I was very adamant in saying we don't want to take the favorite. We're going to fade the favorite, and he was the favorite in both races. On Saturday's race, he was going off at plus 400. I mean, it's not terrible. I, I typically don't like to dip that low. Um, spoiler alert, we're going to be doing it this weekend, but... Plus 400, you know, I was saying, hey, there's other guys out there. We had some big-time long shots jump up and win some races a few weeks back. We're going to try to harness that energy and and use it to our advantage. But uh, Harvick, I mean, he's just so good in tracks that he feels comfortable at. And he, on Saturday, extended Ford's winning streak to five. So then, you know, you're saying, all right, well, there's no way he could win back-to-back. And when I woke up Sunday morning, the lines were out and he was plus 250 to win on Sunday. And I thought to myself, that's just ridiculous. I mean, how could you win both races in the same weekend? Then I saw the news that he was using the same race car, just rewrapped in a different paint scheme. And lo and behold, he goes out and does it again. That race car, they've used it three times. He has three wins. Two of them were this weekend. So he really hurt you. If you're betting against the favorite, if you're fading the favorite, it was a, it was a tough one money line wise. And then the, the top tens, they were our saving grace last few weeks. Kind of took a bat there as well. I mean, Almirola only hit one of the, the races in the top 10. The other guys, Tyler Reddick really hurt us a little bit. I don't know what was up with him. Kind of an off weekend overall. That one kind of hurt. And William Byron, same deal. I mean, he was kind of up and down and, and mostly down, so that one hurt. But we took the the even prop bet. We took the under 
11 and a half. I think it was actually 10 and a half prop bet. So we cashed in on those and head to heads were again, kind of all over the board all weekend. So overall kind of licking our wounds a little bit out of Michigan. I mean, the money lines really hurt us. The fact that Harvick was so good. I mean, it's just crazy. And now Ford has six wins in a row, which is an all-time record at Michigan. No manufacturer has ever done that. So just crazy overall stuff, but we're going to try to move past it and look ahead because we're going to a place that no one's ever been to. So what a good opportunity for us to try to cash in. So that's the Michigan recap. Then coming out of Michigan and sort of in, during that week, we had a lot of NASCAR news. And the, the first, obviously we talked a little bit about it last week, Levine Family Racing shutting down, which is a bit of a surprise. The 95 car is no more. And that puts Christopher Bell out of a job. Well, most people kind of knew the writing was on the wall there that Christopher Bell was going to find a home in Joe Gibbs camp officially, and they wasted no time. They came right out and said, Eric Jones, you're out of here, man. The 20 car being taken over by Christopher Bell next year, which, you know, a lot of people like myself, I mean, I, I think we kind of saw the writing on the wall there. We saw that coming. But when you actually look at the statistics week in, week out, Eric Jones has some good numbers. It's just the results aren't there. So Joe Gibbs wasting no time making that switch. And we'll see how Christopher Bell does next year. But now we want to talk about, you know, this is what we were saying about the silly season bets. We need the ability to bet on where Eric Jones is going to end up because there's a, a few options out there for him. The 48. You know, are they going to shut it down or is the 48 a landing spot for someone like Eric Jones or the 42 car? Matt Kenseth can't be sticking around for another season, especially with these results. So that seems like a pretty good destination for someone like Eric Jones. Uh, I need the ability to bet on that. So we're going to keep our eyes peeled. You better believe that he's just going to be racing his tail off trying to secure another contract. And, and these teams know, I mean, it's definitely much further down the line than they lead us to believe because silly season used to be at the end of the year. Now it's what August and this shit's going down. So the other thing that kind of snuck by me was we talked about Kozlowski signing with Penske and him being locked up, but didn't realize it was only for one year. So what does Brad know that's out there? You know what I mean? A lot of people always talked about him going to Hendrick. What does he know? Is there something else going on where he's just biding his time at Penske and then going to make another move, a big move a year from now? Kind of a weird deal to do that, especially when you're someone like him who can really choose your own number. Uh, he's, he's choosing a one-year deal. So I need the ability to see where he's going to end up in 2021 because silly season just happens so far in advance. So where's Kozlowski going to end up? Then uh, we had some rule changes that's going to affect us as the gambler, and it's really going to help out the long shot. So first was the choose rule is now official. This is the rule that on restarts, you're able to choose what lane you want to go into. And how this affects us is it kind of opens the door a little bit for you to bet on people a little bit you know, more of a long shot because if they take a risk, if there's a preferred lane and you have a guy who's further back in the, the pack in the running order and they choose the opposite lane to get better track position, well, that puts them in a better position. So we're talking, you know, top tens is really where that's going to come into play, I think, for us. Kind of making sure that, you know, you're taking guys, looking at the, the crew chiefs, looking at the history of, of people who like to take chances, that's where, you know, you want to think a little bit harder there because the choose rule will help those types of bets down the road. 
as people get more comfortable with it and, and really start to dissect it. Because right now I feel like they're just doing it just gut feel, but it, as they learn, just like everything else, they're going to really get a better feel for it and, and make better, more educated decisions as the year goes on and, and into next year. Then the other thing to be aware of as a gambler is the qualifying formula. So it used to be you're, you're pulling out of a hat because qualifying, we're not doing it because of COVID and no practice or anything like that. So up until now, since the restarted season, they've been doing the, the top 12 drivers in the standings have a, a random draw lottery out of a hat. And then the, the next 12 to or 13 to 24 are in a, in a bucket and you get pulled same thing out of a hat to see where you're landing. Well, now they've changed it because I guess it was getting a little tiresome seeing the same guys starting in the same spot. So now it's a weighted average of a bunch of different things. I'm not going to call out what those things are because it's kind of convoluted, but I mean, I know one of the things is fastest lap from the week before and finishing position from the week before plays a factor into it as well. Standings play a factor into it. But what we're getting at here is you're no longer pigeonholed into the 13 to 24 spot if you're a guy like Eric Jones or if you're a guy like Bubba Wallace. Um, you have the ability to start further up, and I think that's going to make a difference as a as a gambler, you know, placing money down on people because they could be starting in the top 10, whereas before they're not. So a better chance of a, a longer shot, maybe, again, top 10s, and you really want to focus on them for head-to-heads where they're starting. Um, it's going to change the game a, a little bit. You know, kind of a small tweak. You might be saying to yourself, this really isn't that big of a deal. But when you're really dissecting every little detail, uh, trying to get any advantage you can, it is a big deal. So uh, interesting to see how that's going to play out. We'll see this week they're they're doing it the first time and Harvick is on the pole. So the rich get richer, I guess. So that is uh, the news and notes and how it affects us as gamblers. And now we can set our sights on the Daytona road course because, I mean, what a dandy, what a treat to be, you know, going to a place like this where they've never been before. Obviously, this is taking place of Watkins Glen who is not allowing them to race up there. So instead of just throwing another oval in there, they said, hey, why don't we get creative and we'll have a, a road course, you know, to make up for it. So it's the Go Bowling still sponsoring this race, just at this time, the road course. Now, I like to go back and look at past performances and driver averages and average finishes and, and just overall stats to help me sculpt who I like to bet on this weekend. And obviously this is a place that I'm not able to do that. You would think, but I have taken the time this week to, I kind of stumbled upon this and accidentally created my own new NASCAR stat. So before we get into the picks, I'm going to break down to you how I have put together this stat and I'm going to be referring to this stat moving forward throughout this episode. So when we talk about money line picks, I mean, I've got actual data that I'm going off of and I'm going to talk it out. And for those of you who are more visual, I'll post some of this stuff on Instagram at full tank field for you to look at yourself. Cause maybe there's a specific driver you're looking for. Maybe you're putting together some head to heads or um, heard about DraftKings daily fantasy stuff. We'll talk a little bit more about that moving forward on this podcast and, and beyond. Um, so maybe this stuff could help you this week. I'll post it out there for you to look at. So clearly, this is obviously sponsored by Sean Boy. He helped us put this together. I, I had an idea. He helped me visualize it and, and actually put it to paper. Sean Boy, I mean, 
when you see the results of this and you hear what I'm working with here, you'll know that Sean Boy is just the best. Just remember, Sean Boy, he's our boy. Now, I like, I mean, anybody that's listened to this podcast before knows that I like to harp on at least two stats pretty hard, and that's driver rating and average finish. So what I did was I wanted to pull from the road courses that have been out there for a while now, Sonoma and Watkins Glen, and look at the data that we could pull from there. Then we have the Roval, which only has been here for two years now. They've only been there twice at the Roval, but there's still some data to be pulled there. And I would actually argue that the Roval is a little bit more relevant here in our conversation for the Daytona Road Course because it's a little bit of a Roval itself. So we're going to include all three of those tracks in this conversation. So the first thing I wanted to do was go and look at driver rating, the average driver rating for everybody for each one of those three tracks. And I put that in a spreadsheet and I, I laid it out there. So then we added up all three of those numbers for, you know, let's say our driver is uh, Kyle Busch. We added up his Watkins Glen driver rating, his Sonoma driver rating, and his Roval driver rating. Added that up, divided by three, because there's three tracks. Now, this is where we're saying the Roval's, you know, playing a, a little bit more of a factor here than we're, we're saying they're equal to Sonoma and Watkins Glen, even though... They've only been at the Roval two times, but I'm fine with that. So if you can get past that, now you're staying with me. So now you have their Kyle Busch in this case. We have his average for his driver rating for every road course on the circuit. So now that's something we can pull from to make an educated decision on who we're going to throw money on this weekend, right? Who are the guys who are good on road courses? Their driver averages or the driver ratings say these are the guys. There's another stat that's out there that we like to use because I love driver rating. I think most people do because it tells you about a guy's race or, you know, their visits to racetracks where even if they don't get a good finish, the driver rating makes up for that. Well, I also want to know about average finish because at the end of the day, that's what we care about, right? I mean, that's kind of why Eric Jones got fired from JGRs because he just wasn't getting the finishes, even though he's good statistically. So I did the same exact thing. Watkins Glen, Sonoma, and the Roval, and put all of their average finishes in the last 10 years. Now, that's a big thing. So if you've got a guy like Chase Elliott, he's only been there a few times. But if you've got a guy like Kevin Harvick or Jimmy Johnson, they've been there a million times. So we're only focusing on the last 10 races, their average finish at all three, and we added all three tracks up and divided by three, and then you sort from the lowest to the most, and that's going to tell you who has the, the lowest average finish, which is what you're looking for there. You want the, the smallest average finish as possible. So now we're left with two big-time stats. You've got a list of the drivers with the best driver rating at road courses, and now you have a list of the drivers with the best average finish at these road courses. But I created a stat that I'm calling draft, okay? Just a T-short of the word draft. Draft. It's driver rating minus your average finish because with average finish, you want a smaller number. So if you take the driver rating and you subtract the average finish, you get the draft. And that's giving you a picture of who is the best with those two stats 
at all these road courses and it gives you a nice list from top to bottom who our guys are that we want to focus on this week. So like I said, tough to follow along. I can imagine I'm going to post these spreadsheet stats out there on Instagram for you to peruse yourself, but I'm going to be referring to draft the rest of this podcast because I think it's something that we can cling to. I, I can't go into a, a gambling weekend not having anything to pull from, just going off of gut, even though we probably would do that a little bit this weekend. This at least gives us something to play with, something to talk about, and that's where we're going. It may be a bit confusing for you, and for that, I apologize. The other thing that I'd like to throw out there is when we're talking about our rookies, we've got a strong rookie class, Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer, Christopher Bell, among others. Those guys are not included because I don't have stats to pull from for them. I'm not diving into Xfinity because that's apples to oranges, so we're, we're excluding them. So keep that in mind when we talk about draft that they're not included, but it's still something to work with, and we're going we're gonna to go with it. So with that in mind, we're going to move forward, and we're finally going to get to some picks because that's why you're here. So let's talk about money line picks to win this weekend, and I'm going to change my strategy up. I mean, I, I kind of alluded to it in the beginning part of this podcast when we talked about Harvick dominating. Anything goes. I'm not afraid of betting on the favorite this weekend because our stats, our draft kind of drives us in that direction. So who did we see at the top of our spreadsheet when we did all of those statistics and we put everything together and we sorted from top to bottom? The top guy was Chase Elliott. And I'll be damned if Chase Elliott wasn't going off as the favorite when they released these odds. Because, I mean, that's that's just crazy. I There was a time where I used to think that we had a, a leg up on Vegas, that they weren't paying attention to NASCAR. And, and they might not have, but they definitely are now. If they're putting Chase as the favorite. When the lines came out on Tuesday, he was actually going off at plus 325, a ridiculous number off the jump. He's actually dropped to plus 400, and he's actually tied with Martin Truex Jr. They're both going off as the favorites, plus 400. Well, I'm taking Chase this weekend for a number of different reasons, so let's get into it. It just makes the most sense, even though he's going off as the favorite, even though it's plus 400, and it's a number that we don't typically like to bet on, these stats are just undeniable. So he has the, the, he's first overall with the combined driver rating that we talked about. He's second when we do the combined average finish of the three road courses. And when we talk about our new stat, the draft stat, Chase is head and shoulders better than everybody else. His number is 97.3. That's seven points better than the next best person. So what are the reasons for that? Well, if they were racing in Watkins Glen this weekend, he'd be going for his third win in a row at Watkins Glen. And I can remember last year, he just dominated Watkins Glen. Like, it wasn't even a contest. Practice, he was fast. Qualifying, he was fast. And then he, he dominated the race. It, he became kind of the face of the road course a little bit. So he sort of backed it up there when he went out and won the Roval at Charlotte during the playoffs to, to punch his ticket in the next round. That was really him saying, hey, I know I'm one of the younger drivers, but I'm one of the better road course drivers. You, you could talk all you want about these other guys who were good on the road courses, but I'm kind of surprising everyone here, and, and I don't care. So if you look at the total, his time at these three road tracks, three wins, four top fives, six top tens out of 10 races combined of those three tracks. That's pretty damn good. Watkins Glen was clearly his his track. Doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I'm anxious to see how he does. Aside from gambling on it, I mean, I'm definitely throwing money on him here. 
but I'm anxious to see, you know, he, like I said, he's sticking his head up as the, the road course guy. They throw a brand new track at you. How do you, how do you respond to that? It'll be very interesting to see. He's starting seventh. So we have the, the starting order that NASCAR put out earlier today, starting seventh within the top 10. It's kind of right where you want to be because you, you let the first stage maybe unfold a little bit and then get to the front second stage and, and stay out there. So he's the road course guy. I would actually like to see if that number fluctuates any more, because if it dropped from plus 325 to plus 400, is it going to drop any more? You know, maybe guys are, maybe people out there, the public's going to be betting some some big money on, you know, other guys like Kyle Busch, the typical road course guys that you think of maybe, uh, and maybe his number drops a little bit, but plus 400 compared to plus 325, it's uh, much better. So I'm comfortable with that. Stats tell me Chase is the guy, so I'm going with it. I don't care about the favorite stuff anymore this week. Mark me down for the nine car this weekend. So now I want to talk about the next guy. This is someone that I've avoided because he's been the favorite. And now you have the ability. What if I told you that you have the ability to go out right now and get Kevin Harvick plus 700 to win the race? You'd be looking at me like I'm crazy, but... I'd have to tell you it's the Daytona road course. We've never been here. So he is, according to the draft, the, the new stat we're talking here, he's second out of all drivers in draft. His number is 90.0. And when we talk about average finish, the combined average finish of all three of the road courses, he's first and he's second in driver rating. So that's why he's so high up. His combined stats for all three of these racetracks, one win, six top fives, 15 top tens in 22 races there. So we're looking at the last 10 for Sonoma and Watkins Glen, and then the two at the Roval. Those are solid numbers. His win came in 2017 at Sonoma. So out of all these tracks, I would kind of say Sonoma is more of the outlier than the other two, uh, but he was the one to win that one. And I mean, 15 top tens out of 22 races, that's that's saying that he has the ability to, to keep it up front. I expected his value to be much lower than plus 700. That's what drew me to him, plus the fact that he ended up being second on our draft stat here. Um, just very odd to me. I mean, he's the hottest driver on the circuit. He's going for three wins in a row. Uh, that's wild. I don't remember that happening. I think Kyle Busch did it once, but other than that, I can't remember somebody doing that. So, for a guy to be going for back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, plus 700, that's damn good. So I, this may be a little bit because I was burned by Harvick last weekend, and now I, you know if you can't beat him, join him, but I don't give a shit. Harvick this weekend is someone that I, uh, I like. The stats are telling me to like him. The value is telling me to like him, so I'm going to go with it. And to top it off, the cherry on top, he's starting on the pole. So you know he'll be up front to get it going. We'll see how we can react to that, but mark me down the four car plus 700. Really good value there for a driver like that. Now, last guy I'll talk about to, to win the race on the money line is somebody that I have not called out all year to do this. This is more of the long shot that we're talking about. He's going off at plus 2,000, so 21, 20 to 1 to win the race. Clint Boyer. Clint is sneaky good on road courses. And I think regular NASCAR fans would probably recognize that. But when you really dive into it, his draft rating is sixth out of everyone. It's 83.3. So he's seventh 
in combined driver rating, but when you look at average finish on these three road courses, he's third out of everyone. So really draws my attention to someone like that. And he, he used to be, back in the day, like kind of very quickly thought of when you get to the road courses. But um, lately, it's kind of trailed off a little bit. His combined stats at these tracks, 22 races total, one win, 10 top fives, 13 top tens. So it's pretty good. His win came also at Sonoma. It was 2012, so a little while back. But here's a little tidbit, right? So you, you think about how he was good further back. 2012, he snagged that win. And that's really when it was, okay, we're going to a road course. Clinton might do some damage, right? But the Roval, it's been the last two years when he's at Stuart Haas. Like the most recent years, most recent stats we can pull from, there's only been two drivers that finished in the top five both times at the Roval. Clint Boyer was one of them. He finished third and fourth. Alex Bowman is the other one. We'll talk about him in a bit. But Clint... Very solid numbers, sneaky good Roval numbers, because I never would have guessed that. If you were to tell me that stat and make me guess, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't be able to pick him. He's a total value pick, plus 2,000. He's very similar to Kurt Busch. Kurt also going off at plus 2,000. We're going to talk about Kurt in just a second uh, briefly here. But when you're talking about you know money line picks, if you're going for a super long shot like this, you could really toss these guys up because Kurt's up there with uh, our draft rating. But Kurt, when you're talking about to win the race, I, I just don't see it. I, I've bet on him before. I've called him out on this podcast before, Moneyline, and it just he, he's not getting it done. Chip Ganassi, something's up with that race team in general, it feels like. Stuart Haas has the momentum. I mean, you got Harvick just winning races left and right. You got Eric Almarola on that top 10 streak. And you got Cole Custer, the rookie, has a victory. So they've got a lot of good juju on that race team. That's just another reason to go with Boyer. So mark me down for the 14. Clint Boyer, plus 2,000. And just to recap, the other two picks, Kevin Harvick, plus 700. And Chase Elliott, plus 400. Let's go. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys. So now we'll move over to the prop bet section of the podcast, and we'll start with some top 10 conversation. It's kind of my favorite, honestly, because when you're picking people to, to win on the money line, if they're really dragging, it kind of takes the fun out of it. But when you're taking top 10s, anything goes. Like, they could be down 21st, 22nd, and then they're back up there, top 10, 8, 5. It's really a, a wild ride. So I really like betting on these, and we have to start by addressing the Eric Almirola situation. So... He went one for two on the weekend at Michigan, and we said we were going to keep taking him until he didn't finish in the top 10. I did end up taking him on Sunday just because uh, it was the same track, but because he let us down on Saturday, I'm going to I'm gonna jump off for a little bit, and there's good reason for that. I mean, he's not great on the road courses looking at his, his draft, or his average finish driver rating, the whole nine yards, doesn't matter how you slice it, he's not great. So it doesn't make me want to jump up and snag him, especially when I see his odds, because he's going off right now at minus 140 to finish in the top 10. Now, that's just not what I want when I'm looking at a guy who, you know, realistically would kind of be a shock to, to finish in the top 10 at a road course. So I'm going to avoid Almirola this week. I, I do hope he gets back on the grind, though, because it was fun and he was doing us well. It made us a lot of money. So uh, maybe next week, but this week we'll we'll avoid him. Now, 
looking at top tens, I mean, I'm, I'm going to throw out just some, some wild ones here because part of what I like doing with the top tens is really shooting for the moon because if you miss, you might hit a star. You know what I mean? That's, that's kind of what we're doing here. So we're taking some long shots. And the first guy that I'm going to call out here is Jimmy Johnson. Now, this is we talk about Johnson week in and week out about his stats tell us one thing, but as lately his performance tells us another thing. So Johnson's going off at plus 140 to finish in the top 10 this weekend at the road course. That is something that gets my attention because plus 140, like I usually look right at the the zero mark, you know, who's minus money, who's plus money. And Johnson's a little bit further down than he typically is. Plus 140 is a good value for somebody like him. When we look at our stat, the draft stat, he's third out of everyone. It's His number is 86, and his numbers across the board are good. But you may be saying to me, you know what, Phil, come on, we know this. His numbers are decent because he's been around forever. We're not focusing on the, the most recent stuff. To you, I would say that's correct. But keep in consideration here that the draft only considers the last 10 races at Sonoma and Watkins Glen. So we're talking about last 10, which is usually where Jimmy's numbers decline, but he's still pretty damn good. And kind of like what we said about Clint at the Roval, Johnson is pretty damn good. He has two finishes inside the top 10, eighth and ninth. And one of those finishes he was going for the lead at Truex. You remember, I think it was the first year we had the Rovo. It was a crazy incident. We had Johnson hunting down Truex on the last lap, and Johnson just basically said, I'm going to send it. And he went for it, and they both wrecked. And Blaney ended up getting the win. He was Johnny on the spot. So this was two years ago. Like, this wasn't Johnson of years past where, you know, he was dominant. No, this was during his struggles. He was going for the win. So that tells me that, you know, he still has it in him. And at a course like this, at a value like this, we're, we're looking for people that fit this exact bill. So with the stats that he has, with the value, plus 140, you're not going to find this anywhere when you're looking at top 10. A guy with the, the history of, that we've cooked up here and the value that he's going off at, it just seems to fit. So he has a win at Sonoma as well. 10 races ago. So that kind of goes with what we were saying. He's good further back. He's decent at the Roval. All good stuff. And I really think that the, the 48 team sees this as an opportunity to try to steal something because there's a lot of teams out there like this, right? That are further down, that really need something. They're outside the playoff hunt right now. They need to steal a win. And this is an opportunity for a team like this to steal a win at a track that no one knows about and, and get it done. So Mark me down for the 48 plus 140 this weekend. It seems to make sense to me. Now, I have another one that's kind of a shot in the dark, and he's actually going off at plus 115. So that's more of a favorite than Johnson. And I like Johnson better than this guy. It's Matt DiBenedetto. So his numbers, when we look at the draft, he's 21st out of everyone. And that's really not good. His numbers really aren't great when you look at average finish, but you have to consider the, the cars that he were driving. So it's kind of skewed when you look at somebody like this. So I really wanted to focus on the Roval because I am putting a lot of stock in the fact that it's similar to this road course um, at Daytona. He finished 11th and 13th at the Roval in, in those two years that they ran there. So compared to the other drivers, he's within the top 10 for average finish um, when we're talking about just the Roval. 
his average finish there in two races. So that to me, I mean, like I said, I'm looking for somebody with decent value plus 115 is, is you know, kind of rare um, to find someone that is decent going off at plus money. So mark me down for Matty D. Like I said, kind of a shot in the dark here. Don't have too much other than, you know, good stats of the row. He's in better equipment now with the Wood Brothers in 21. He let us down a few weeks back. We're going to, we're going to hop back on this horse and see what he can go out and do. I, I think it would be a bit of a surprise for him to finish in the top 10 at this road course, but we'll cash in on it. And I actually think I'm going to let that sit a little bit. Maybe you could get him at better odds as the weekend gets closer. So I have him, I'm targeted, I'm going to take him, but I think we might be able to get him for, for better odds as the gambler closer to race day. So Matty D, mark me down. Right now he's going off at plus 115. I'm going to see if we can get him at a better number. Now I have another one who is just an absolute ridiculous long shot, but I think it's funny to call out and I think you know, it's worth throwing a couple bucks down just for the hell of it. So we're talking about Brendan Gong. All right. I think we talked about him earlier this year on the podcast going head to head with somebody um, way back. It was either Talladega. Actually, it was Talladega. It was going head to head with uh, somebody else. And we talked about him. We're talking about him now to finish in the top 10. Now, he is going off at plus 500. That's ridiculous. All right. Absolutely astronomical. Brendan Gaughan, you would think, why would anyone take him? Well, he's actually going off at a higher number or a better number, more of a favorite than some of our regulars on the circuit, like Ricky Stenhouse, Bubba Wallace, Austin Dillon. Like he's in that group. So why would anyone take him? He ran the Rolex 24-hour race at the road course before it's in like February or late January. They do it every year. He's someone who has ran that race and was a part of the winning team in that race. So that tells you, even though it was a while back, I think it was like 2011, he still is someone who has done this. When we're going to a track that no one really has experience at, he does. And he's experienced winning there. So I think for that reason alone, it's kind of worth a long shot. Every time Brennan Gaughan joins the, the race, it's usually Daytona or Talladega, and he's either dead last or like wrecking early or out of the race very early, or he's competing for a top 10. And I think this is another one of those situations where you throw some money down on him and you say, hey, you know, I expect him to finish horrible, but if he's up there fighting towards the end, more power to me, I, I'd call it. So Kind of a, a funny choice there, but plus 500, really good odds for, for someone who has won the Rolex there. So I like it. Uh, compared to these other guys that are regulars, he could uh, he could show them up a little bit. So it'll be interesting to watch him. So mark me down. The top 10s, shots in the dark here. Johnson plus 140, Matty D plus 115, and Brennan Gong plus 500. Now, here's one that we talked about last week. And it's the top driver per manufacturer. So I have to talk about this one this week as well. Chevy as the top driver. Chase Elliott is going off at minus 147. That is just bogus for anyone to place money. We talked about why we love Chase this weekend. Great. You know what I mean? Makes sense. But if you're putting money on that, it is stupid. It's just dumb. You're, you're really not thinking it through. 
All right. And maybe you have a lot of confidence in Chase. I clearly have a lot of confidence in Chase. I'm picking him to win the race. If he wins the race, clearly he's better than every other Chevy driver. But when you're talking about value, there's better options out there because anything could happen to Chase. He could hit the wall and then he's done. And now you're giving up money. Minus 147. That's wild. So if you look at the drop off, minus he's the favorite for Chevy. Then the next guy is Kurt Busch, and he's going off at plus 550. Kurt, I talked about him when we, we were talking about Clint Boyer winning the race. Kurt is fifth in our draft stats, all right? He is someone who can maneuver his way around the, the road courses. I mean, his average finishes are good. His driver rating is right around fifth. So really good numbers. So that's something that's, you know, interesting possibly the the move there because if chase doesn't have a, a great race like we're predicting well you're going to need somebody else and he's someone that could get it done the next guy is alex bowman he's going off at plus 1000 to be the top chevy driver and he's the third guy on the list that's just crazy because like we mentioned there's two guys at the road will finish in the top five both times and bowman was one of them so you're telling me he could potentially, if, if you're finishing the top five, if I'm taking Alex Bowman to be the top Chevy driver at plus 1,000 and he finishes in the top five, win or lose, I'm like, you know what? Great effort. It was a great bet. And, you know, if we hit, phenomenal. We're cashing big, big money. But if we lose, that means somebody just really went out and, and dominated or, or got a win almost. So I like that bet just as an insurance policy if I'm betting money on Chase to win the race, I like betting on those two guys to kind of back me up as insurance because those values are so high. I mean, the the, the plateau, the drop-off is huge from Chase to everybody else. And then to, to back it up even further, Johnson, we talked about why we liked him. He's going off at plus 1,100. So if you don't like Bowman and you like the 48 better, hey, there's another insurance policy. So definitely something that I'm going to be looking at. I'm, I'm going to throw something on... Kurt and Bowman to be the top Chevy drivers as an insurance policy for Chase. We talk about like handcuffs when we talk about uh, fantasy football. You know, you, you take the backup running back. This is kind of the handcuff in the, the gambling world for NASCAR. So mark me down. Kurt plus 550. Bowman plus 1,000. Then we get a couple true prop bets. And these are the ones that we just keep crushing. And it's odd or even and over under. So odd or even... This week, I'm going to go with the underdog. Odd is going off at plus 100, and I don't see why we wouldn't. I mean, the two favorites, according to the sports books right now, are Chase Elliott, the 9 car, and Martin Truex Jr., the 19 car. So if the two favorites to win the race are odd number cars, well, let's do it. I mean, you know I love getting value when it's possible, so here's an opportunity, plus 100, that's Decent value, I and mean, there's a real shot at it here. So mark me down there for the odd number car to win the race this weekend. And then we're talking over-under. This week, I'm seeing multiple options. You can kind of pick your poison with multiple number choices. So I'm going to zero in on the one that's like right on the, the even split. So it's over-under plus 12 and a half. The under is going off at minus 125, and the under is just on fire lately. So... I love it. I mean, I know we're, we're leaving out Truex, but 
we're talking about Chase. We're talking about Harvick. Those are two guys that we called out to win the race. Talk about Kurt Busch, you know, how he is high up in our draft ratings here. So those guys all give us a chance to, to cash in on this bet. Then we're getting into people like Brad Keselowski, who, you know, really has good history on these road courses as well. The under 12.5 and Blaney. I mean, Blaney won the Roval. So under 12.5 is a decent number, minus 125. You can choose between a couple different options. I mean, if you want to take it all the way up to like 17.5, the number is astronomical to go under. But uh, maybe you like the opposite and you want to go odd and, and cash in on a really crazy value. Not me for this one. I want to go under 12.5. So that's going to do it for the prop bet section. I feel like this is one where it could go one of two ways. We can hit some of these and really cash in some big numbers, or we could strike out. But I know that we're going to do well with these odd or even over-under numbers because we've been killing the game with those. Vegas, baby! Vegas! So now we'll get into the head-to-head section of the podcast. This is where we look at two drivers one versus the other, and we have to pick who's going to finish first in the race this weekend. This is going to be a tough deal this week because of everything we've documented so far. No one really knows what we're getting into, so we're going to rely heavily on this draft stat to help guide us in these four selections. The other thing is the sports books really aren't giving us too much. I'm not having too much fun with the selections that we have so far early in this week. Hopefully they come out with some better matchups as the weekend goes along and maybe we'll uh, update some picks throw a, a weird parlay out there come Sunday but for now I got four matchups that I'm picking out and I do like to try to focus on some drivers that we haven't already talked about so that also is playing a factor in here so we got four of them four matchups we're going to give it a look here and like I said rely on our new stat to help guide us through so first one we're going to go with is what I'm dubbing the Battle of Disappointments. This is Ryan Newman going off at minus 134, the favorite, over Matt Kenseth, plus 100 in this matchup. These guys, they just have not been able to figure it out. Only one top 10 apiece for the entire season, which is just crazy. I, I could talk about it till I'm blue in the face, but I'll move forward to try to pick a winner in this matchup here. So they're going off, Newman's going off 14th, Kenseth 16th. So really close to each other. Now, what I don't quite get is why Kenseth is such an underdog. So Newman, he's good at Sonoma. This is just a perfect matchup when you actually dissect it because Newman's good at Sonoma. Three top tens there, his average finish is 15th. But elsewhere at Watkins Glen and the Roval, He's, he's not great. And at the Roval specifically, he's actually horrible. So, you know, he's got his strength. When you look at the three road courses, it's Sonoma. His draft is 16th out of all drivers. So looking at his total number there, it's 52.6. So that's his total draft number. Now, if we look at Matt Kenseth, He's good at Watkins Glen, so kind of the opposite of Newman. He's got two top fives and five top tens in his last 10 races at Watkins Glen, but he isn't great at Sonoma and has not raced at the Roval because he was quote-unquote retired. So if you look at his draft, it's actually stronger than Newman. He's 13th out of all drivers, and his draft is 61.2, so like nine points higher 
So for that reason, I'm going to go with Kenseth because his draft is higher. His value is better, plus 100. I just don't see, when you look at these head-to-head matchups, I kind of start by thinking that these are going to be pretty much even off the jump, right? Minus 115, that's two guys basically even. And they typically try to find you guys who are right around each other. And I just don't get why Kenseth is so much of an underdog. It's kind of rare to see the plus 100 mark next to somebody's name in these matchups. So for those reasons, I'm going to go with the 42. I mean, I've been burned all year taking both of these guys in various bets. Um, So it's just fitting that they're head-to-head this week. So mark me down for the 42 car, getting the better odds at plus 100. Next, we're going to switch over to some bigger guns, some guys that have been really performing well this year. I mean, well is an understatement for one of these guys. It's Denny Hamlin taking on Ryan Blaney. Interesting matchup here. Obviously, Hamlin, the cream of the crop this year, five wins. He's going off as the favorite, minus 125 to Blaney's minus 106. Now, if you're looking at Denny Hamlin, I mean, his numbers are pretty much what you would expect. You know, Sonoma, he's got three top fives, four top tens in his last ten. And Watkins Glen, he actually has a win from 2016, three top fives, three top tens. His average finish at the Roval, though, a little bit different. He he was more in the back, 15.2 out of the two races that went off there. So looking at his draft, 14th out of everyone. His number is 61.1. So not great. I mean, when I saw the numbers kind of calculate. I expected Hamlin to be further up on the list. And when I saw that he was further down 14th, I mean, that's mid pack. So that kind of jumped out at me when I saw that said, Hey, maybe we could take advantage of this in some way. The only thing here is that he's starting second. He, he drew that second starting position on the front row. So that's going to be helpful getting track position here. Now, if you look at Ryan Blaney, he has solid numbers, consistent across the board. Sonoma and Watkins Glen, he's only been to each of those tracks four times apiece, and he has one top five and two top tens in those starts at those respective courses. And then at the Roval, I mean, well documented. He had the first ever win at the Roval. I know he was kind of picking up the trash there from Truex and Johnson, but hey, no one really will remember that down at the end of the day. So one win and two top tens at the Roval. So clearly pretty consistent across the board, and the draft shows it. He's ninth on the board for the draft, and his number is 70.6. So a big difference, nine points again to Blaney's favor. Now the downside for the 12 car this weekend is that they're starting 24th. They haven't started that far back in the pack in a long time. I mean, since COVID started. So um, we'll see if they can overcome that. But I'm going to go with Blaney with, again, with the better stats, the better odds. That's what I'm going to try to focus on with these head-to-head matchups. And uh, we'll see how it works out. So I know it's a bit of a risk with Hamlin starting up front, but I'm going to go with Blaney. Kind of seems like he's more consistent recently. So minus 106 is uh, the odds that I'm looking for here. Mark me down for the 12 car. Now, third matchup that we're looking at, Battle of Teammates. I feel like we look at this matchup pretty much every other week. And it's Kozlowski versus Logano. So Kozlowski's going off at minus 125 to Logano's 106. So very similar to the matchup we just looked at. So let's start by looking at Brad because Watkins Glen is his track. I mean, when you look at the three of them, four top fives and six top tens in the last 10 races there at Watkins Glen and, you know, fifth at the Roval last year. 
So not only is he good at Watkins Glen, but last year, second race, you know, he got a little acquainted with it. Fifth place last year at the Roval. He's serviceable at Sonoma. You know, nothing really to write home about. You don't think of uh, the two-car when you're thinking about the, the West Coast swing out there. So his draft is seventh, 77.0. Lucky sevens, that's, you know, something you want to maybe put uh, a pin in because you got to take every little nuance you can get, every lucky rabbit's foot, etc. We're looking at Joey Logano. He's good on all these tracks. He has a win at Watkins Glen from 2015, three top fives, five top tens. At Sonoma, two top fives and two top tens. And at the Roval, two top ten finishes there. So pretty consistent across the board. He's, he's not really jumping out the screen at you. I mean, that win from 2015 kind of seems like uh, in the distant past. His draft is 10th out of all drivers, 68.9. So a little bit uh, further down again, missing by about eight points there to Joey Logano's 77.0. I'm going to have to go with Brad for a number of different reasons. Um, One, the statistics are telling us that he's just a better road course racer. Two, he's dominating the season, 15 to 7. I mean, Logano is hanging in there. He's up, you know, in the playoffs. He's he's fighting for position each race. Uh, it seems like as far as the, the standings go, the points, he's kind of swinging up and down. He only has that one win. Brad is just kicking the shit out of him. 15 to 7 is a big number. So if you were to say to me, hey, Logano, Kozlowski, head-to-head this year, you know, what's the score? I wouldn't say it was that big of a difference. But it is. So Kozlowski. And then the other thing is, this kind of seems like a race that Brad could surprise some people, snatch one. He's trying to keep pace right now with Hamlin and with Harvick. I mean, both of those guys have the five wins. He's trying to stay up there because when they get to those playoffs, those wins are going to be a big deal. So I would imagine that they're kind of thinking that this could be one that they could snag and, and steal one heading into the playoffs in a few weeks. So Mark me down for Kozlowski. He's got the better draft. Not as good odds, minus 125, but we'll give those up for this matchup. And I just feel like Logano's in a bit of a slump, too, a bit of a funk. So I'm not going to bet on him until I can see him rebound there. Uh, so mark me down, two car, in that matchup. And then the final one, it's a, it's a weird one. Alex Bowman versus William Byron. This is a matchup we've seen before. I think I've taken both of these guys in various tracks. So looking at Alex Bowman, I touched on him earlier. The Roval, he's one of the two guys who have two top five finishes. That's his strongest track. His driver rating at the Roval is 84.9, but that is where his positivity really comes to an end because the other tracks that he, you know, Sonoma and Watkins Glen, smaller sample size, but his driver ratings and average finishes are are just straight up dismal. Um, Not good. His draft overall is 17th. 47.2, that's the lowest that we've called out here out of all these drivers in the head-to-head matchup. So it makes you think, you know, is the Roval kind of a one-trick pony for Alex Bowman? I did say that the Roval is kind of what I'm basing a lot of what we're going to see this weekend off of as far as uh, past performance and and kind of prepping for it. But regardless, I mean, he's just not getting the numbers, even in the ballpark for Sonoma and Watkins Glen that you'd hope for. Now, William Byron, he's a different cat. I mean, he's consistent. He's not great, but he's consistent across all three of these tracks. His driver ratings, I mean, he's got a couple up in the 90s at Watkins Glen and the Roval. So that's, you know, pretty interesting to see. And and even his driver rating at Sonoma 
I mean, it's not great, but it's not the worst out of everyone. His draft is 12th. It's good enough for 64.7. That's a, a big-time advantage over Bowman. That's the biggest gap in the draft stat that we've seen in this head-to-head matchup. I mean, that's well over 15 points. So I'm going to have to go with Byron here. I mean, he's burned me in the past. I know that. We've had history. I have all sorts of trying to throw hexes on him and and all sorts of shit. But I'm going to go with William Byron here over Alex Bowman. I just feel like at a track like this, I'd rather take a, a guy who's more consistent than jumping up if you can compare the two. So mark me down for William Byron. And we're really going heavy on this draft stat stuff. I mean, I'm taking all four guys here that have the advantage, and it's a significant advantage for each of them. So to recap, we've got William Byron over Bowman, minus 115. We're going Kozlowski, minus 125 over Logano. Ryan Blaney, minus 106 over Denny Hamlin. That's going to be a tough one for the starting positions. And then Matt Kenseth over Ryan Newman, plus 100. And while we're at it, let's group it into a parlay and let's hit some big money. Let's go. We're going to end it this week by briefly talking about daily fantasy with DraftKings. And the reason for that is I had somebody reach out to me, another Phil actually, reached out to me on Instagram talking about how regular sportsbook gambling is not legal in where they live, which sidetrack. I mean, that is just complete bullshit that these states have not legalized this stuff across more states. I I lose track of that. I mean, ever since they legalized it in PA, where I live, I've just kind of assumed that it was filtering through the rest of the country. And it's just, you know, utter bullshit. So kind of a rant here, but we need to make that more of a push. That's sort of why we started the podcast to begin with was to, to bring more attention to sports books and, and legalize uh, gambling across the, the country. But I digress. I mean, it's just a shame that people are out there that can't place bets on the race that want to. But the best they have is the daily fantasy stuff. And I want to just talk about that briefly on the end of this podcast and kind of say that I'm going to try to focus on throwing some ideas or, or stats or tidbits out there on you know future episodes to talk about you know how some guys may fit into a, a DraftKings daily lineup um, because it makes sense. Now, I'm admittedly not very good at these daily fantasy rosters. I, I've tried it, um, and I, I do do it a lot for the trucks, actually. Um, I, I find that to be a little bit easier, but I'm kind of scared off to it because of what I've seen with people being able to like manipulate the the system with the statistics. Um, you got the Sean boys out there of the world kind of maneuvering through that and, and the fact that they've kind of cracked the code and they're able to cash in on these like huge tournaments. So what I typically do is like the head to head stuff because it's just mano a mano. You know what I mean? You can just have to beat one other guy. Um, but I'm admittedly not very good, but it's because I haven't really been trying it. So I really want to start to focus on it a little bit. And the way I thought about it, and kind of put it out there, because if there are people out there that are listening to this that do this regularly, you can critique me on it. But what I like to do is try to, you know, you have your average amount that you can spend per person. You have to draft six guys. And whatever that average number is, you want to look for the quality guys 
way below that number. So that gives you more money to spend on some of the high tier guys. So this week, it's a little tough to do that because we don't have much to pull from it, but we do have our draft stats. So I'm going to look at those briefly just to throw a couple names out there and, and hopefully, you know, they hit and we'll, we'll get some momentum moving forward. But looking at the stats, there's one name that kind of jumps out to me and it's a little early in the week. I don't have the actual values for the rosters for the daily fantasy stuff. Um, I got to figure that stuff out as well, like when they release that to kind of maneuver through that on how we incorporate it in the podcast. But there's a name out there that I'd have to imagine is going to be pretty cheap. And it's Michael McDowell. So you might say, okay, that's ridiculous. Michael McDowell historically hasn't been great at Watkins Glen or Sonoma, but at the Roval, he's actually not too bad. His driver rating at the Roval is 73.3. So not a horrible number. And when we look at his average finish at the Roval, it's 15 which is pretty high up compared to other drivers. So you take that into consideration. Then just the fact that Michael McDowell, I have always joked around that when he walks through the doors at Daytona, like he becomes a different person. And I know it's not the, the speedway. We'll talk about him in two weeks for sure. But it's, it's still just Daytona is like his thing. So I could see Michael McDowell going up. His, his value is going to be good for you on the daily fantasy stuff. He's going to be cheap. And I would probably throw him into my lineup and just kind of cross my fingers on it. The other guy we talked about, Brendan Gong. I mean, he's going to be super cheap on these daily fantasy rosters. He's another one. You know what I mean? He could be up there, top 10 fighting. We talked about betting on him for the top 10. Um, if he does have a good race, if the the... 24-hour Rolex race comes back to him, then things are you know going to be going good for you. So he's someone, if you're looking for super value to, to allow you to grab some of these high-tier guys, like Chase is going to be a ridiculous expensive driver. Uh, but if you take a McDowell and a, and a Brennan Gong, like those guys, like Chase, could be more affordable to you. The other thing that I'm looking for this weekend is to see how the rookies are priced because I don't have any stats on the rookies and I don't know how the sports books are really putting any prices on them uh, because there's just no data to go off of. I mean, you have their Xfinity stuff and I know we've, we've talked about that before as a temperature check, but still, I mean, when we do that, it's usually the, the racetrack that you're at that weekend and how they were in Xfinity, you know, a couple years back, this is a, a different ball game. So I am anxious to see what their numbers are when they release. And I'd be looking to take somebody like a Christopher Bell or a, you know, Tyler Reddick, depending on what his numbers are. Now, the last guy that I'm going to mention as a potential value pick for your daily fantasy roster is Daniel Suarez. So try not to roll your eyes too hard. But Suarez on our draft stat is 11th. Now, that's with... JGR and Stuart Haas racing, clearly. I mean, he is just, you know, way outside the picture each week now driving the, the 96 car. But still, his numbers are pretty good. And if you're looking for a super value pick, you know he's going to be pretty cheap. If you actually do the math on Suarez, like compared, he's not racing for top 10s every week. He's racing for top 25s. And he's really doing a decent job with the car that he's in. So, 
this is a, a place that he might thrive a little bit. He might snag you a top 15. And when you're talking about these lower tier guys, that's what you're hoping for, it seems like. So um, he's another one that I'm keeping my eye on. He's high up on our draft stats. So something worth considering as you're putting together your lineup. So like I said, I'm going to try to incorporate this stuff moving forward a little bit better. But those are my thoughts this week. And we'll see how they go. We'll see uh, how the draft stats help us project our lineups this week. All right, so we're going to take the checkered flag here on another episode of Full Tank with Phil. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Full Tank Phil for any updates and some good looks at the stats that we're putting out there, the new draft stat. We're going to see if it works out for us. It's going to be a tough weekend. I mean, we'll see. But if it works out for us, we're going to be cruising into next weekend for the Dover Double Header. So you're not going to want to miss that. So we'll see you next week. Remember, drive fast, take chances. We'll see you next time. Have no place to go. Have no place to go. Darling, have no place to go. Have no place to go. Girl.